When something happens to your kitchen, you might say, This is ludicrous. But that won't fix your home. That will only get you the rapper, Ludicrous. Having trouble? Don't panic. Don't be alarmed. You need to file a claim? Holler at State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. You can file a claim on the app or call us. Thanks, Mr. Chris. No matter how ludicrous the situation, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. Everyone deserves a chance in the driver's seat. For GM and Revolt, that means leading the way on the road to an all-electric future and envisioning a world with zero crashes, zero tailpipe emissions, and zero congestion. GM's committed to making EVs accessible for everybody. That means you too. So what are you waiting for? GM's got the keys. You grab the wheel. Learn more about an all-electric future and the 000 initiative at GM.com. GM, everybody in. What's up, y'all? It's your boy David with Blackwell Renaissance, and I'm here today to tell you guys about Anchor. If you haven't heard of Anchor, it's the best place to make a podcast. Anchor is a free app that has creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast straight from your phone. Anchor also distributes your podcast across all major platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and many others. You can also make money on your podcast with Anchor with no minimum listenership. Anchor is everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So if you're looking to get started on your own podcast, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm. I woke up feeling wealthy today. My bank account might not agree, but hey, that shit on the way. Me and my niggas laying brick on top of brick till we straight. If you the type that play the victim, you can't come in my space. You know this game ain't for the weak, it's hard to carry this weight. I keep my balance through the ups and downs, I'm never gonna break. You feel the purpose in my spirit when you look in my face. Cause this ain't a second, I can waste something food on place. Fumbled the bag, I still ain't got that disappointment to shake. So now I'm trying to double up on every dollar I make. Money don't buy you happiness, it sure don't take it away. I'm smiling hard as hell, that time I step in the we can't be making reckless moves, cause there's so much at stake. When you got some shit to lose, your decisions gon' change. Cause every action got a consequence. Consider your ways. Hardest thing to do in life is elevate through your pain. I can't relate to feeling like your life is stuck in the face. Giving effort, but results just keep remaining the same. Have some patience with yourself. Shit ain't as bad as you claim. I seen the homeless nigga smile while he was standing in rain. It's all about perspective. Chillin', catching blessings, and cryptocurrency been bustin', and I'm well invested. She know that if she rock with me, then she gon' stay protected. Cause even when this shit get hectic, I ain't never stressin'. I'm legend. I woke up feeling wealthy today. My bank account might not agree, but hey, that shit on the way. Me and my niggas layin' brick on top of brick till we straight. If you the type that play the victim, you can't come in my space. You know this game ain't for the weak, it's hard to carry this weight. I keep my balance through the ups and downs, I'm never gon' break. You feel the purpose in my spirit when you look in my face. Cause this ain't a second, I can waste, I'm putting food on place. Yeah. Welcome everybody to another episode of the Black Wolf Renaissance Podcast. Your boy David Bellar, one fourth of the Black Wolf Renaissance, checking in with my co-hosts Jalen and Jared for the episode. How y'all doing, my brothers? What up, what up, what up? It's your boy Jalen, man. Another quarter of the Black Wolf Renaissance Podcast. I am feeling great today. I'm doing amazing. What about you, Jared? Man, I'm feeling good, man. I'm happy to be in the studio yeah, today. Man. Man. It's been a- 
Shit, yeah, I man. Never we never been, been in the studio. Nah, I've never been in the studio. <laughs> so monumental. Hey, hey. doing it remote. Yeah, we got a great episode once again planned for y'all, as always. This one's pressure. Yeah, man. We're about we, to get into some stuff we ain't really get into before. Thanks. So I'm excited. Before we get into it, want to ask that y'all leave those five star ratings and reviews. We really like whenever y'all leave those, it helps us grow the show and continue to push it forward. So let's get into it. This week on the podcast, we have an entrepreneur and a media executive, Miss Treva Williams. She's out here working. She's behind some of the biggest shows on Viacom, and she has her own life coaching business as well as a few other things going on. So we're more than excited to have on Miss Treva. How you doing? I am well. I'm well. Good afternoon, everybody. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. No problem. We appreciate you taking some time out your day to come up over here and just, you know, give us some games, some songs behind the scenes and really just how you were able to get to where you were able to go. My journey. Okay. So for me, my journey is founded in my early career, which is one of administration and military years in the military. And I served as a 71 Lima and a 71 Charlie, which is your job description in the army. So it was administration, executive administration. I am an administrator to my core. That is who I am. I believe that my work and life's mission is to facilitate, administrate, and market the dreams and visions of others. And that is how I have built my career throughout this time. The word entrepreneur, I get it, but I don't know that I've ever seen myself as that because my one founding rule has always been, I don't have to own it to run it. And Mm. that is also the template in which I've done my career. I think the most entrepreneurial part of my life is probably my life coaching business. But to me, that's still a business of service. And then, you know, I've been in the music industry, I've managed and worked with music artists, and that was probably a little bit of entrepreneurial, but it still was me administrating, facilitating, and marketing their visions. So I've always seen myself in service to others. I kind of, that is how my career has gone where it's gone from. So administration, getting out of the army, letting me corporate job to being able to get in administration. My last duty station, I was in Atlanta. So I started in 93 and I ended up working in marketing and advertising as an assistant. And as I proved myself to my boss in my administrative areas, that opened up opportunities for me to do other assignments with them. And then I looked up and without realizing it or going for it, I was an advertising executive. And during that time in the late 90s, advertising, and I was advertising for the We love an acronym in marketing. So it was AACM, African-American Community Marketing. So which means I was just in charge of the Black people stuff at Coca-Cola, Sprite, and McDonald's. So I worked with the advertising agencies that were responsible for the Black McDonald's Owners Association, the Urban Black slash African-American Community Department of like Coke and Sprite and all of that. And at the time in the late 90s, is when advertisers were really getting heavily into using R&B and up and coming mm-hmm. hip hop artists to market their things. So like I was a part of the campaign with Donnell Jones, with Coca-Cola and McDonald's and a bada bum bum bum. I'm <laughs> loving it campaign. Man. You know what I'm saying? Oh, all of wow. cool. I was a part of all of that in that journey. And then so in being that in Atlanta and Atlanta was very much making its mark in the music world. So it was an untapped kind of era. So my advertising brought me into music because I would have to go in and negotiate and talk with, you know, the local producers and stuff and getting them to do music tracks and beds for us for commercials. And then I happenstancely got into music because I would see guys and 
you know, they were entering this field, but they didn't really know enough about advertising, marketing, and corporate. So I started talking to them and working with them because my concern was I wanted to help them get the exposure, but I wanted to make sure they weren't being taken advantage of space. So I found myself just helping them on the back, like, yo, you need to do this. You need to do that. Da, 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 da. And then I ended up, you know, all of a sudden I'm, you know, working with different rappers and producers in Atlanta, radio stations, doing marketing promotions and stuff like that. And then music kind of turned into my own son got into music. So I focused heavily with him when he was a teenager and he was actually got into Christian hip hop. And we were one of the pioneers with that. Next thing I know, I look up and I'm touring the world with my own kid and still working with gospel music artists. And that opened the door to me working. My son would tour with people like Kirk Franklin, Mary Mary, and all these ones from the time he was 13 to 19. And then I really went into that faith-based space. And then music turned to television because I started working with Mary Mary. I had moved to LA by this time in 2009. I started working with Mary Mary and was their executive administrator for their company overall. So I handled all things, the business of the gospel group, Mary Mary, you know, shackles on my feet, sister God in me, all of that kind of stuff. So, and they are a force to be reckoned with. They're not the typical gospel artists. They're music industry people. Their husband, Warren Campbell, phenomenal producer. So I was engulfed in all of their business. And then they got the opportunity to get a reality television show. So that is how my music turned to TV because I was working with them. And then we were dealing with producers and production companies that didn't really, A, weren't abreast in the faith-based community, dealing with music artists and all of that. So I found myself being a liaison and making sure that my artists were comfortable, but that also that the production company was getting what they needed so that we were putting together a good television show. And I had a woman that was one of the executive producers and she was like, you know, what you do is a job, like in TV, like what you're doing is really like a thing. I was like, no, I didn't see it that way. I'm just trying to get this done. Cause really for me, their TV show was like a thing on a list of stuff I had to do. Right. So she's Mm -hmm. like, no, it's really a position. You'd be great at this. And cut back to even before then, right. When I was working with my son and stuff, we run across people and we are family friends with Will and Jada. And I remember Jada saying to me, you're a producer. And I was like, no, I'm not. First of all, I'm somebody mama, just making sure nobody don't play with my child in these streets. Who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cutoff? Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. So that's why I'm doing this job. And I always saw producers producing or anything in that vein as creatives. And I didn't see myself as creative. I saw myself because, A, I thought creative people were chaotic, you know, messy, you know, just <laughs> everywhere. And I'm a very administrative, logistical thinker. I think in bullets. And she said, no, that is literally what producers do. You take the creative chaos and you make sense out of it and you put it in order. And this was just me like hanging out at the house with them. And while we were hanging out, I was doing some work with my son and she heard me on a couple of calls saying, no, this has to happen. And this, has. she says, that is literally what producing is. So I had that in the back of my head and didn't dare to dream that dream because I just didn't see myself that way. So I always give credit to her sparking something in me that even though I wasn't ready to acknowledge that part of myself, I will never not give her credit. And that was like in 2005. I will never not give her credit for awakening something inside of me that I think I would have allowed fear and ignorance of 
to not allow me to dream this dream. And I wouldn't have the life that I have and be doing what I'm doing if she hadn't awakened that little bit of peace in me. Then the Mary Mary piece, working with them was instrumental in my career. Like I said, I was in the right place at the right time when they transitioned and were going to TV and someone saw me doing what is my thing. And I was told mm-hmm. it's a TV job. And that was like end of 2011. And then next thing I know, by the time I'd go from doing Mary Mary, I did R&B Divas Atlanta. I did R&B Divas LA. I've done marriage boot camp. So I end up out of nowhere. I am doing what it is Jada saw in me that I didn't see in myself. I'm producing and it's tied to music and all of those kind of things. And the next thing I know, I'm a legit television producer. And in 2011, I think I started out as a talent producer is what they called it, an associate producer. Mm-hmm. And then by 2015, by God's grace, next thing I know, I'm a co-executive producer. And then before that, I was a supervising producer. I've been able to work with OWN. I did an amazing special with Gladys Knight, which was like, you know, just to A, work with OWN and work with Gladys Knight was amazing. But all of it, I attribute back to my core, which is administration. Mm. And that mm. is who I am, that core part of me. And I joined the military when I was 17, that shaped and defined who I am and how I work, and how I do what I do, this whole thing. So it's all been, even though my people are like, girl, you've got like five different careers, but they all have been seamlessly threaded with this one thing that is who I am. And I don't know if you guys in church, right? So if you're a church person, you know, we have these things called spiritual gifts. And in, mm-hmm. in spiritual gifts, you take these tests and it's like, and my spiritual gift was administrator. So I am being who I am in its fullness by doing what I do, how I do. That's my mm-hmm. long. Oh, that's how she started doing that pressure. <laughs> yeah, she did come on with that pressure. I'm so oh, glad man. you shared that, Treva, because like that's one thing I was just listening to as you were saying all this. I'm like, it really all tied back to that mm-hmm. initial skill set, that same skill set, and you, like you said, using those gifts that were given to you, it led to opening all those doors and opportunities, and that's beautiful that you shared that. I kind of want to highlight that too because I was reading the the wealth charts last week. And that was one of the key points that he pointed out. A lot of successful people, they understand and know what their gifts are because and they can fully operate in those. And that's what helps them become successful. They're not wandering through the world trying to figure out what they do well. They know exactly what they do well. Exactly. Exactly. And the other part of key of being successful and wealth and all of those things hey, is identifying what is my gift and how can I allow that gift to make room for me? And when you have to start again, I am 53 years old. I started my career at 17. So I have gone back to the beginning a number of times to go forward. And Mm. I've learned that I am never afraid to go back to go forward. You know, like when I worked with Mary Mary, I started as their executive assistant. But by the time I had reached them, I had been an advertising executive. I could have been within myself like, no, I'm beyond being somebody's assistant. And I'm this and I'm that. And I've owned my own company. You know, I have my own entertainment company with my son and working with other. I can't go back and be somebody's assistant, you know. So I could have looked at it that way because I went from my son touring on the road with the likes of the Mary Marys to serving the Marys. And I had a choice to make to either decide, you know, does that look like I'm going backwards or am I setting myself up? And for me, I understood that I don't mind taking it back to the core to push forward. And in life, the older you get and as you go and grow and as you're trying to reach different things, you will find yourself going back to the starting block 
just to launch to be able to push off farther than the last time. So it's like a slingshot thing. Sometimes you got to pull the slingshot back and back and back. And the further back you pull it, the farther it propels. And I've always left myself open to that. <laughs> I, I love it. I love it. That's real good, that's, though, because that, that a lot is. of times, even like I want to speak to our younger audience listeners. A lot of times whenever we're coming up, we do think like that. You know, I'm beyond that. I've done all of this work. Why should I go back to doing the grunt work? I'm an entrepreneur. Why should I go back to a job just to make sure that I need? But sometimes you got to do those things. Sometimes you got to take it back to square one. Like you said, you know, get back in touch with who you are at the core and then really just take it to the next level. So I'm so glad that you shared that with us. Yeah, we can't be afraid of, you know, of going that because you just limit yourself. I tell people, you know, we're list people, you know, as you get into this self-help mode and gurus and all of that, you know, make your list and da, 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 da. And we, we always focus on our to-do list and think that that's the only thing that's going to get us ahead. But I have challenged myself many a times and God has convicted me many of times where he makes me go back to my, what I won't do list. And mm. many a times my blessing was in the stuff that I said I wasn't going to do either again, no more forever. And sometimes I've had to take it and look at it. Like, you know, this pandemic hit, right? Listen, pandemic hit, TV shows, we didn't know what was going to happen with TV. Sis was looking at her, what I said I wasn't going to do no more list. Okay, I could go back and do this again. I could be comfortable here. And I challenged myself in that way because, you know, sometimes life happens, pandemics, unexpected, life changes, whatever. And then for me, um, I am at an age, space, and place in my life where all money is not good money for me. So mm. I've had some challenging experiences with television, especially in this reality space where there's just some things I'm not going to do and some compromises I won't make. And in my last couple of things, I was like, yeah, I'm not doing this no more. And I said to myself, if this is what making TV is, if this is the only TV and the only form I can make TV platforms on, then it's going to be time for me to step away. And I went back to my list of, okay, but I will pick up the phone one day and y'all be calling answer. Hi, this is, thank you for calling Schmitz and Schnitzels. This is Treva. How can I connect your call? I will take it back to zero before I compromise myself and my integrity and what I stand for. I'm so glad you mentioned that, Treva, because I wanted to ask you, that was one of the questions we wanted to ask you was, like, how does working as an executive in this field affect you? Like, with some of those different shows and, like, reality TV, how does that affect you? It affects me in a sense that what I do is I am Treva all day long. Treva is who I am. So Treva is what you're going to get. You get people that work with me and for me get the benefit of who I am. So I am myself, authentic self, no matter where I at, I show up as me. What I do in that space is because I'm the person, you know, I have a faith-based background. That's I'm a woman of faith. That's who I am. But I'll pray for you on set as quick as I will tell you off and cut you out as whatever the situation being whatever's needed in that moment, I'm going to give it to you. The way, and I don't even say it's rationalization, but when I look at reality TV, I look at it for what it is. Certain shows are made about a certain group and type of people. And I give people the grace to be who they are and represent themselves as they are, as they choose to. That is, it is not me to say, because here's what I believe, all Black ain't my Black. Just because you on TV doing that, you don't represent me, that's you. I get in the overall sense, you know, you want to look and, but I don't take offense 
at the life you live, Love and Hip Hop, that is made, that show is about a very particular group and type of people. It is about people that live and move in this hip hop industry and their relationships. And that is really what goes down and how it goes down. That's their life. That's the path they're chosen. That's the choices they're making. I don't get to begrudge them that. That is their reality. Mm -hmm. The same as, you know, R&B divas. That's how they move and shape and move in their world. That's them. It's like, for me, I'm a Southern Black woman. Hmm. That's very different than an L.A. woman or a New York woman. We are not the same. And I don't expect an L.A. woman or a New York woman to completely be the totality of my representation. I'm not only Southern, I'm from New Orleans. So I'm a whole other kind of woman. It's a whole different okay, thing. we got the boot in the house. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm a whole other. So I don't expect you know, what moves me and what matters to me and all of that is a very individual experience. And I give people the grace to do that. What for me, what I do is same as we have to do in any walk of life. It is how we hold ourselves individually accountable to what we are assigned to do. I produce with these tenets. I believe that television and life is made up of heat, heart, and humor. And it, especially when you think Black, you black, you at a funeral, you tell me one time you ain't seen something funny you was going to laugh at. I don't care how sad it was. Something was going to go down, right? Inappropriate as it may be, you know it's going to happen. You, you know it's going to happen. So in every moment and shape of our life, there's heat. You could be at what could be supposed to be a blessed occasion, a baby's christening. There's going to be a little heat because somebody talking junk about cousin so-and-so. That's who we are. Humor. Mm -hmm. We going to laugh. It's going to be heat. It's going to be hard. It's going to be heartfelt moments. Whenever your uh, your brother <laughs> married my cousin and they was fighting at the wedding. Oh man, I forgot what? about that. That's heat, heart, and humor all at once. I forgot about I was, that. Well, yeah, bro, that, that was, happened. That was hilarious. That happened. That like, which exactly what Trish was saying? <laughs> like, uncle was talking shit about the groom. Sorry, <laughs> <All laughs> <right>. knockout, <laughs> drag out, bro. It was, like it was bad. It, it was, was bad. bad. Like cops got involved, the dogs. It was bad. See, that's my point, though. That should be a blessed occasion. You know, you'd want it to all go well, but we know it could go different. My thing is, it's the heat, the heart, and your humor. If that's how life is, and that's what I aim to portray in everything that I produce, but I do it with a foundation of humanity. And I feel like mm. as long as I can always see the humanness in anybody, I can tell their story. Right. Because if we don't see their humanity, then their humor is something we're laughing at instead of laughing with them. We look at their heartfelt moments and we have no empathy for it. We look at their heat and we just see it as ignorant, Anger you know, aggression. Just aggression. Right. But that we have to see it through humanity. And I think we are very critical people and we're 55 times as critical of ourselves. Because I say this, I get asked to be on a lot of panels, right? And we talk about reality TV and representation of Black women in media. And do you feel like that you are portraying, that I'm feeding into the stigma of bringing down the Black race of women? No, I am not. I am one Black woman that has a job and I do my job with excellence. So I sleep very well at night knowing that I do my job in excellence. But the other part of that is I turn the tables and I say, okay, let's talk scripted. When we are given a blank sheet of paper and a show and we get to create any Black woman we want to create. Let's talk about some of the Black women that have been created. Olivia Pope, scandal. Mm. Dress bomb, you know, had that walk of authority, commanded the room. 
Olivia Pope was a side chick, okay? So she was. With a blank sheet of paper, we created a powerful side chick, okay? Mm. Not, you know, that's what she was. And as a wife of almost 25 years, I was team Millie all the way. I'm team wife. Another blank sheet of paper. How we get, how to get away with murder. Yeah. yeah. She had to be a crazy psycho killer. She couldn't just be a successful, Lord. intelligent, just, just solving cases. Like I'm going to age myself, you know, like murder. She wrote like why she couldn't just solve some crimes. Mm. It's interesting that you're bringing this up. Now, I've never really thought about it like that, but like I got one more television is often being, worse than reality. Being Mary Jane, one of my favorite shows. Being Mary Jane was successful, but she wasn't allowed to be complete as a woman because she didn't have a man. So wow. much so she was stealing her dude's sperm and putting it in the freezer. What? Yeah. Her brother was a crackhead. Her niece had to have multiple baby daddies. Like, why? Yeah. Why? You know why? Because we know people like that and it's fine, but I'm just saying the criticism that we give and we act like it's only happening in this space is we're harsh with each other. We're harsh on ourselves. Because again, with a blank sheet of paper, these were the women that we put forth in the Black community. Mm. Taking it back to girlfriends, you know? And again, we know complicated women like this and it's fine. I love all of these shows. I'm not disparaging. I'm just saying if we're analyzing it, analyze it on all sides mm-hmm. be accurate on all fronts with it don't demonize yeah like don't demonize one for the other because listen the mob wives and them cartel crew and all of them the housewives of new jersey which i watch all of these shows because i love reality tv i don't just work in it i'm not a tv person that's like oh i don't watch tv i'm just doing no i watch tv i got shows i dvr i'll be ready i love them i love all of them i've been a real housewife of oc since the beginning I love it because I see the humanness in them. Even if their lives don't match anything, it's interesting to me how they're navigating their lives. But I just feel like for us in the black community, and I get it, you know, we have to be five times as better and work 10 times as hard just to be called good enough. Mm. And and so I understand that, but I feel like we got to give ourselves a break and we have to, Mona Scott Young says it all the time. Who are we to say that she doesn't have a right to have her story told? Because we, we always talk about identification, looking for seeing ourselves. Well, we see ourselves and there's different versions of us and we need to be okay and allow grace and space for every version of who we are and who we could be to be shown. And, but as a producer and a TV networks, we have to be responsible to make sure that we allow the character or the person to grow because they're naturally going to grow. Mm-hmm. Right. But we are responsible. My, my responsibility and why I hold myself accountable is to make sure that we're keeping the reality of their story growing as they are growing in their human space. And so not who she was in season one. And I know behind the scenes, she's different in season six, but I'm still trying to give you season one version. That's when it becomes problematic. That's when we're doing something wrong. Is when allowing people to when I'm now in line to show that growth and show that elevation and show that evolution, then I'm doing it wrong. Mm. One question with reality. So, like the with reality TV, right? You kind of mentioned with people allowing them to grow and whatnot. How much of that stuff is like kind of loosely scripted or set versus like free flowing and truly like them in their you know natural environments? For the shows that I work on. Mm -hmm. And those are the only ones that I can speak to. 
what is scripted are the scenarios, right? So I do a thing that's called talent insight. I am in constant, my producing team, we're in constant communication with our talent. So they're telling us who shot Johnny and why and what they mad about and da, da, da. So we bring those conversations to the forefront. What is scripted about it is that where you have that conversation, I chose it, right? Mm. So the most scripted part is, would you normally be on vacation with these five people? Probably not. If my show didn't make you go on vacation with these women that you barely get along with, you probably would not voluntarily go on vacation. So yes, that is the scenarios of scripted where you have a conversation. Even the day that you end up having a conversation that you told me about that you wanted to have, you may not want it to do it Tuesday. But I say, no, today you're going to talk about it. Today's the day. Remember we spoke, you said this, You do, now's your time for you to share with this person. And of course, you know, we all big wolf ticket off camera. Then it's like, until I say, go tell sis what you say. Go tell sis how you feel. Well, I won't tell her here today. Well, today's the day. Today's the day. So it's the scenario when you do it and probably how often you have to talk to somebody that you don't really mess with mm-hmm. is also because again, for me, the reason why I could never be on reality TV is because once I'm done with you, I'm done with you. So I would be the worst talent ever created because I'm not coming back to have lunch and have this. I'm not going to do it. So the most set up scenarios are the fact that I'm going to make you have a conversation that you may not be ready to have. I'm going to make you sit in that conversation, hear that other person. And that's a lot of times in like relationship stuff where like, no, you can't just get up and walk away. You got to deal with this. This is what's being presented to you, that vacations. But what isn't scripted is how you react and respond to what is being said to you and how you react and respond to the situations that you've been put in. Whether you would have chosen to or not, or whether you would have went to Greece or not with these women, the reality is you're in Greece with these women. So I want to see how you conduct yourself. I want to see what's going on. I want to see how you navigate relationship. I want to see how you deal with this conversation. That for me on the shows that I've worked on, from R&B divas to even marriage boot camp. Those people come in with their own set of problems. You put them in them scenarios, but that's really their issues they came in the door with. And that's really their stuff they have to work out. We may set up the scenarios in which to have them see things, but it's your problem. You came here with this. This is your issue. So that is the most scripted. Because again, we're not a 24-hour follow doc. So there isn't a way for me to be with 24 different Mm -hmm. cast members 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So some stuff, this happened over the weekend. We got to deal with this. We got to put this here and that here. But the conversations that they're having, how they feel about the conversations they're having, the things that are happening to them, it's theirs. It should be. And I can only say that every show that I worked on, whether it was that way before I got there or not, when I was there and in it, that is how it was going. And that's how it's produced. Goes back to me saying, you know, all money isn't good money for me. And when I can't produce that way, I disconnect myself. Mm-hmm. I love it. So I kind of wanted to go into whenever you're talking about the AACM, kind of seeing how does that kind of pertain to the TV? Like, how do y'all come up and understand with, oh, we think this will do well on air versus this show doing well on air? The way we look at it is it has to be compelling talent that you would care about what they're going to say. First, it all starts with the talent because everybody thinks. When something happens to your kitchen, you might say, this is ludicrous, but that won't fix your home. 
that will only get you the rapper Ludacris. Having trouble? Don't panic. Don't be alarmed. You need to file a claim? Holla at State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. You can file a claim on the app or call us. Thanks, Mr. Chris. No matter how ludicrous the situation, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. Anybody that has it, oh, I could be on TV. Oh, it could be that. But it's like, do you have the personality? Do you have the demeanor? And then behind that, your story, are people going to care about the story you want to tell? Based on your personality, that's first. And then it's about relationships. It's about looking at organic relationships because everything is 60 degrees of separation. When you're doing ensemble shows, people have to be connected organically to each other some way. Hmm. So like, you know him on the other side, but you guys both collectively know the person in the middle. Mm-hmm. So you need that connectivity. You have to, you know, is there, are there ebbs and flows in your story? In we think about a season in a year. So this year, what goals are you trying to accomplish? What destination are you trying to get to? So we figure that out. And then we figure out what are the things that are going to propel you, help you get to that place. But then more than that, what are the obstacles that are going to get in your way that would hinder you from getting there? And then when you put all those ingredients together, do we have a compelling story so that we see you and we see you dodge the obstacles and will you make it to the goal at the end of it? So it's based on talent, story, heat, heart, humor, and humanity. Is there a connectivity to you? Are you a person that people will love or were you a person that people will love to hate? Because mm-hmm. both work. Mm. You were talking about the camera crews and things of that nature. Like, what are some of the responsibilities of producer? It, yeah, like an executive producer. Like, yeah. what are some of the things that? Because I know y'all basically you mentioned it earlier. Uh, there's different. Y'all type make of things happen. Right? Yes. Yeah. yeah there's there's different. Happen. So there's different levels of producing, right? So for me, where I'm at in my current level, I am an executive producer, but I am a specific type of executive producer now. I currently am the brand executive producer for the Black Ink Tattoo Show brand, which means I am a part of the creative executive team that in my only responsibility day to day is the creative movement of Black Ink New York, Black Ink Chicago, Black Ink Compton, right? So that I sit above that. And in each city, there is a field showrunner, executive producer. Mm. Those field showrunners are the executives on the ground responsible for the day-to-day, right? Once they pitched me story ideas and different things and direction and where we're going and what we're seeing, cast and talent and all of that kind of stuff. And then they are the soldiers on the ground that make it happen. And then under the field showrunner, so the field showrunner is responsible for the overall, for every department that is on the ground. And the field producer reports to me as the brand executive producer. And my job is the continuity of the brand, whether we're in Chicago, whether we're in New York or whether we're in L.A., are we telling tattoo stories? And I'm looking for that continuity. Are we getting the same, you know, human connection, learning about tattoos, working with people that work together, a little bit of personal story. So I'm the person that looks across all the cities to make sure it's not more on one than the other. Each person in the assigned cities their responsibility is solely that city. Are we getting these things? And then under the field showrunner, the executive producer, there's a co-EP and that's really their right hand. That's their person that while they are overviewing everything locally, their person is handling like logistics. So there's producers and then there's what's called production management. 
production management side are like your production manager, your production coordinator, line producer is the person that's over the budget. That person over the budget deals with the field EP and me to make sure we are staying within budget of what we've set aside. We've allocated this much money and how we're spending it. Then your production manager is hiring the crew and the director hires the camera people. The production coordinator oversees the production assistants, right? So it's all of these pieces and all of those people report to the field showrunner who makes sure every department is moving like it should. And then I oversee all of that, making sure every city is doing and moving as they should and their individual departments and in between. So the producing side is the more creative side. And that's your people that, you know, come up with the story. And the storyline has been turned into a bad word on social media because people at home heard a word and they think they know what it means. And they've made it negative. Oh, that's just her storyline. Yes, ma'am. Exactly. That is her storyline. Correct them right quick. Storyline is literally the story that we will be telling of her life for this season. Again, we're not a 24-7 show. And quite frankly, we don't pay nobody enough money that they need to give us a whole pie. We come up together as a team with the talent and the producers. What section of your life are you giving us? And that becomes your storyline. It is not a negative connotation to have a storyline. Because if you don't have a storyline, you won't see them the next season. Mm. And you'll barely see them on that current season if they don't have a storyline. A storyline is literally what it is we've come up together to depict over this season. What is your journey for this year that we will get with you? That is not a negative. Mm-hmm. You have to have a storyline because if you don't, you shan't be on TV. Yeah. You You'll be a background. Yes, <laughs> you won't be on TV if you don't have a storyline. Because why are you here? Like, what am I talking about with you? That's all that it is. And I think audiences have learned words, buzzwords, and because of disgruntled reality people that get on, oh yeah, that's just a, I just did that for the storyline. And I tell people all the time, listen, when you're a talent, you come on here and again, I'm not requiring your entire life, right? Let's decide what part of your life we're going to show this season, but it needs to be true. It needs to be true to you because I tell them all the time. If your Instagram life and your TV life don't match, Mm. one day they're going to smack each other in the face and you're going to have a problem and you're going to end up having to deal with this out here versus what's this there. And it'll only be your fault. Like you can't be this one thing with us and say, oh, but in real life, well, what are you doing every day? Like, if I don't have you in real life, what's the point of this? Mm. And then that's how talent gets burnt out. That's how they get disgruntled because they can't keep up with what they are putting for. And it's got to be real or true to you. But storyline is not a negative thing. It is literally what we just determine the journey that we determine together as a producing team and with the talent of the journey that we will see this talent go through. It's all that it is. I love it. So I kind of wanted to go into with you and your business life, like with the life coaching and everything, how do you find the time to be an executive producer, a mother, a wife, and do all of these things, but still run a business? Well, because I'm, I'm a servant at heart and the life coaching is an extension and an evolution of who I am because I'm a person that I've lived my life by servicing other people. And in my journey, I found that if working with a music artist, I can't get you to the stage to perform the concert 
if everything else in your life is chaotic. So part of my job is to, how do I help you put order to this so mm-hmm. that you can go on this 29 city tour with me, right? Mm-hmm. So it, that is how I realized that life coaching was the next natural step for me and not even a next, it's a connected step for me mm-hmm. because I find myself when I'm dealing with music talent and when I was in that space. And then as I deal now with on camera TV talent, that a lot of my job, if I'm doing it well, is me coaching them, is me getting them to put things in their life in order so that they can be able to present how they are contractually obligated to present. But I'm not ignorant to the fact that I can't just, if you don't have it together and you haven't done all of these other steps behind the scenes, putting you on a bus and telling you to hop on the bus to go on this 29 city tour is going to be financially detrimental to everybody involved because something's going to happen. The pieces are all going to fall apart and you won't either show up or you'll crumble on stage. So I have spent most of my career behind the scenes helping people get their life in order so that they can present themselves. And that's what life coaching is. And it's not me telling them what's wrong with them. It's them showing, this is what I have. This is this, I need to put this in order. And me keeping them accountable to do the things that they say they wanted to do. You said you wanted to go on tour, ma'am. So what do we got to do? We're not going to go if you don't do these things. So I become their accountability partner to do the things that they identified. You said you wanted to be a touring artist. I didn't tell you that. You said you wanted to do that. Mm -hmm. So we got to do these things. And this is who you need to be in order to be a successful touring artist. So then let's work our way backwards between the difference and close the gap between who you need to be on stage and who you are right now, which isn't presentable for stage. And then we have to work together to close that gap. And that's where life coaching came from. I find the time because I compartmentalize my life, whatever I'm in, I'm present in that. And I'm a very schedule as much as I can be schedule oriented, but I have a small client base. And until I retire from television producing day to day, I will keep it small and intimate because I am looking to make impact, not just income. So Mm -hmm. I only service people that I have the time and the capacity for. And right now for me, there's like, I never commit to more than five clients at a time. But life coaching also, unlike therapy, it's not a lifelong process, right? You should not be a life coach of mine. You should not be a life coaching client of mine for years on end. Because that means we ain't met no damn goals. (laughs) Like we shouldn't still be... Like what? Yeah. Like only reason if you're that is because I'm your accountability partner. And that's a different type of coaching, right? Where it's cyclical check-ins to Mm -hmm. see, but we should be reaching goals. So for me, I do three month cycles with people, 90 day cycles with people. And I will not do more than five people at a time in a 90 day cycle. And I give people two hours a week within that 90 day cycle for their time. And I give them assignments because, again, it's not about me fixing them. It's about me taking the chaos of their life, producing their life in a way and putting all of their stuff in bullet point order and giving them assignments. Go do this. Go do this. Come back to me. We'll talk about what you've done, haven't done. And then what we'll talk about is what stopped you from meeting this goal? What is that? Let's figure that out kind of thing. But it's not a it's not a continuous like, you know, we've been in therapy like seven years. Still talking about their mama hurt them. Man, okay. Is, is you using your gifts to help them reach the levels that yes, that, that they, they're looking they to, reach. to reach. But holding them accountable. Cause I'm like, again, you say it. 
you want it to do. If the goal is changing, let's talk about that. Let's change it. Let's figure out why we're changing and make sure that whatever you couldn't do over here isn't the same thing you won't be able to do over there. Because mm. we keep trying to change locations and whatnot, and we the same person going to the different place. Mm. And it takes people a minute to figure out, you know, the problem is you, right? Because you're the only person that keep traveling, moving to these places. <laughs> I got to hit it again because, man, sheesh. Hey, that's real. That's so real. So with the life coaching, with people that, like, I guess, that don't really perform. Progress. Yeah, like, what does it look like for them? Like, are they just not serious or what? Sometimes it's just not serious. Sometimes they're not ready. Life coaching is about self-accountability. When you're ready to life coach, it's because you have accepted that there's some work that you need to do. And life coaching won't work for you if you have not reached that place. And life coaching also, again, it's a partnership because when I do my intake, I am not everybody's coach and everybody is not. Yeah, it's that too. I'm not everybody's coach and everybody's not my client because I require a certain type of client. If you are a person that is repetitive conversation and is a continuous woe is me and I'm not the person for you. I am an action oriented results driven coach. Because I'm an action-oriented, results-driven person. Hmm. We're going to talk about this problem one good time. And while we're talking about it, we're talking about it only to figure out the solutions, Hmm. each identified issue, not just to be talking about it. So again, I am not everybody's coach because everybody is not my client. There are quite a few people that have reached me. Treva, I want you to coach me. No, we are not meant for coaching. We are not meant for each other. Because you have to be able to receive me and I have to be able to give to you in a way that is going to be helpful for you. That's wise though. Yeah, that's, that's wise and that's real as hell. Yeah, operating the business, like especially being that you limit the sizes of people like, so that you mm-hmm. can really make sure that you're serving people. I think too often in entrepreneurship, people, they, you know, we try to take on everything and then deliver subpar results versus exactly focusing exactly. on quality. Exactly. Exactly. And again, when life ends and they go down my little scroll and I'd be like, well, Jesus, why I never was a, a millionaire or nothing? He might tell me what you even because you didn't take on no extra clients and there were certain jobs you wouldn't do. And you know what? I'm going to end up being OK with that. I get that my standards and what works for me may not yield what other people view as success. But for me, it works. My comfortability and my conscience being clean and clear. Whereas my conscience being as clear and clean as it can be, I'm no, by no means perfect, right? Because in producing, I will be like, oh, should we have gone down that line with that story? Should we have followed that part of that life? Were they ready to really share that? I question myself with that. And I hold myself accountable to that. I get that my choices may not yield me what others may view as monetarily accept, successful. But because time is my biggest currency, mm-hmm. I'm okay with that because I like to expend my time very well. And when I give my time, it needs to be worth it for me and everything, you know, from the coverage I get and take, I'm probably one of the most frustrating PR clients that people have because I'd be like, no, I'm good. I don't want to. That's not what I want to do. 
If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. At participating McDonald's. That's not where I want to go. Treven, you should do a seminar. You should go. That's not where I'm at yet. That's not where I'm at. I'm still here and doing this. We need to launch a, you know, and especially that pandemic, I had you tricked. You understand me? People mm. had me feeling like I was supposed to have written five books and done seven virtual conferences. I was like, no, I spent the first six weeks sleep because I was tired. Give you a break, huh? <laughs> I gave myself a break. <laughs> <laughs> so I know my PRT may be like, treat No, treat don't want to right now. That's not what treat wants to do. That's not where I'm at yet. I get the call. You should write it. You should have written five books by now. I've almost finished one and I'm comfortable with that. <laughs> that's what and that's all that matters. And that goes back to you in the beginning, just knowing yourself and knowing exactly who you are. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm honest with myself. I will tell myself when I'm doing something because it's not right for me or I don't feel it's the right time. And there are times that I'm saying no, because I absolutely just don't feel like it. I'm like, no, that, I don't feel like it. And, you know, I'll get on myself about that. I'm like, girl, you could have, but we didn't. And we know why we didn't. We didn't because we, we was being lazy and that wasn't what we felt like doing. We don't want to. And <laughs> that's real. Though, At least you're not making you excuses for it. Like, no. you're just like, you know what? Yeah, we just didn't want to do I mean, it. Yeah. yeah. And I talk in third person for real because everybody last time I'd be like, no, Treva didn't want to do that. Treva didn't feel like it. That's what she felt like doing. <laughs> <laughs> Kick myself later. Be like, dang, I really should have spoke on that. You know, you see it, FOMO as a motherfucker. So you'd be like, oh, you know, man, I should have been on that conference. But when it, I was like, oh, I don't feel like it. Because I looked at the preparation, what it would mean. What I was like, yeah, I don't want to give. That's not what I want to do. And then afterwards, you know, I regret it. Like, damn. All right, Trevor, you was tripping. You should have did that one, girl. You should have dug in for that one. But, you know. One day you're going to be <laughs> like, you know what? I'm ready to do it. Yeah, one day. Everything I've said yes to, I've never regretted any yes that I've given. I've second-guessed some no's, but ultimately, I just believe that all things work together for the good that are called and love God. You understand? So whatever it is, good is going to come out of it, out of my yeses and out of my no's. Let's go. Preach on it. I love it. That's a great no to give it to the last section. I ain't even going to lie to you. You've been over here spitting game. Preaching. Yeah, just preaching. So I just want to pivot to our last section. It's called What's in Your World. So it could be anything that you saw on Instagram. You're a big reality TV buff. So it could be something that you saw on reality TV. Anything that you saw that you want to expound upon. Yeah. You know, let me tell you what's been bugging me this week because I think I almost want a little Instagram rant about it. I did a little bit on June. Let's talk about it. On the Juneteenth. You understand me? I posted something too because I was irritated and I posted something. It was this guy and he was dancing. He was so full of joy. And I had to make a decision to choose joy because I was mad Aggie about this damn holiday. Okay. First of all, I've been Juneteenthing since I was a kid and I'm 53. So mm-hmm. don't be acting like you gave me something. I've mm-hmm. been Juneteenthing. Okay. Then you're going to, and this going to sound crazy, but let me tell you what it bothered me about the holiday. Why you didn't tell me I had this holiday in February so I could have planned for this good three day weekend. You understand mm-hmm. me? How you going to give me a holiday three days before the holiday about to come? I didn't even have time to put together a barbecue or parade if I had wanted to. Okay? Mm, that's true. I ain't think about I it like that. Shit, you yeah. could have told me in February. You know we love a 
good three day weekend. Who had prep time for that? We didn't. We You know we would thank you. Well, I'll never cancel Memorial Day because I'm a veteran. And Memorial Day, just so we know, was created by the black soldiers who were not honored and recognized mm-hmm. for yes, their service and sacrifice. Right. That's right, into the service. So I'm always celebrate that. And also that's for people that give the ultimate sacrifice. In my eight years of service, I didn't lose a leg, a limb, or my life. So I will mm. always honor those that laid it down. But in February, in Black History Month, that little short month that you gave us, you could have gone and told us that we was going to have this extra day in June and we could have appropriately prepared, especially since y'all knew y'all was going to open up the country at the same time. Mm-hmm. Things could have happened very differently. You understand? There could have been a whole music festival we could have been having. I mean, 2022, we coming with Avengers, though. But you see what I'm saying? See what how they did this? And then, so my other point that brings me to then, then I was like, and thinking like, okay, then, because I am solution-oriented. I said, well, then moving forward, what they need to just do is, since they made Martin Luther the King Day, the third Monday, Juneteenth need to always be the third Friday so we can keep our three-day weekend and do this thing right. Mm. But the Juneteenth bothered me because, A, you act like you gave me something that I always had and I always celebrated. You gave it to me while you were making it illegal for me to even know why I have this day. And you gave it to me without reparations. Where is my money? Okay? Mm-hmm. And I'm about ready. I'm sick of Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. Yeah, I said it. Message. I'm here with you. <laughs> I'm just going okay. to keep drinking my water. Don't mean I'm not proud of the sister and all that she has done. You understand me? Sis, I salute you and all your accomplishments. But you better dig in and dig deep. Okay. And Joe is going slow. That's my message. <laughs> <laughs> Joe ain't long with us. You understand what I'm saying? To Joe acting like he got a lot of time in him. You ain't never lying. That's why he going slow. <laughs> Every time I Joe, see him on TV, he look a little bit more frail. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Joe, speed it up a little bit, bro. You ain't long with us. You gonna give us what we supposed to get. Oh my yeah. God. Y'all hilarious. You got the audacity to go on the breakfast club and say if you ain't black, oh, that's you don't the part that, Yeah, that's the part that took yeah, me no, out, that bro. Right. That took me out, but that I blame that on Obama and them because they not his real black friend. You need to yeah. tell Joe. Y'all ain't talking to Joe. around right. saying that shit, Joe. <laughs> Y'all Just like that, like no, no, nothing. You can't be going around saying that shit, Joe. You like Joe, what the fuck was you thinking? Like Joe's not being talked to right by the black people that's standing by him. But you know that's just me. But that's what was bothering me. Juneteenth was bugging the shit out of me. That's that's a good take on it because I, I definitely <laughs> didn't think about it like that. So I'm definitely glad that you shared that. Yeah, like, give us time, man. But let us plan for this three day weekend. Hell yeah. yeah, like Jalen said, next 2022. year we gotta do it big. 2022, we turning up. But then they need to put it back to where we just get the third Friday. Because I don't want a Juneteenth on Tuesday. You ain't lying. Yeah. Just give us third Friday of every the... June. Hmm. See what I'm saying? Just stamp it. Y'all did it to Martin Luther King. Go on and stamp it. Y'all, he just the third Monday. It don't even fall on the 15th. Just give us third Friday. Yep. Well. Treva, we want to say thank you so much for coming on yeah, the podcast. Coming through, taking thank some you. time out of your day. Thank we you appreciate so you. much. Yeah. So I appreciate all, y'all. All our audience members that would like to follow you or they want to tap in with you, anything that you have going on, could you please share like how they can follow you on social media? If anybody, I know your life coaching program kind of restricted, but if somebody, maybe they're trying to get no, in there. No, reach out. Perfect. You know, reach out. Yeah. I do do waiting lists. Reach out. I am just ending a 90-day cycle and I haven't actually advertised for new clients. So I'm about to do that. So please reach out. Um, I'm a mentor by nature. So, you know, a lot of people email me or text me or DM me. The DMs scare me, but I answer people that are in their right mind. I answer them. But I am on, you know, Instagram 
at M as in Mary, S-R-O-C-C 68. Miss Rock 68 is my Instagram. On my Instagram, listen, I'm telling y'all now, because it's my Instagram. Mm-hmm. That's my caveat. It's my Instagram. Okay? Do you. So, Do you, baby girl. Do you. You get who Treva is. You will find that I love my family. I love my husband. I love my kids. I love my 10 grandkids. You know, you're going to get hit with the messages sometimes. I Most of the time, I'm trying to be funny. A lot of times, I'm irritated. So my Instagram is a complete picture of who I am as a woman. Because at one point I was going to do like a, I started this whole separate Instagram for my life coach. And I was like, no need to trick the people because they're going to get me anyway. So they might as well meet me on this regular Instagram with these other 18,000 people that's out there. (laughs) You're not going to get a different version. But my life coaching company is called Living Truth. And truth stands for total restorative, uncompromised restorative healing. And it's about getting to the truth. I want people to live in their complete and total truth. And your truth is different than mine. What's healing for you, what's restoration for you is individual, but it should always be uncompromised. Mm. Bars. Bars. I love it. I love it. <laughs> Once again, I just want to say thank you for coming through and kicking thank with you. on this beautiful Monday. Um, and before we get up out of here, get into some house cleaning. Once again, thank you to all of our listeners who come in week in, week out. We definitely appreciate all of the support. We would be nothing without you guys. Definitely, if you felt this was valuable, leave us a five-star rating and review. Make sure you leave that five-star rating and review uh, and share it to someone that you think that this would be valuable for. Yes, sir. And if you rock with us, been rocking with us, join BWR Academy, number one community for personal finance on the planet. Y'all come in there, come learn about insurance, credit, Retirement planning, taxes, budgeting, and much, investing, much more. everything. Yeah, got a lot going on at BWR Academy. You can join that by clicking the link in the show notes. And y'all also check out the Patreon if you're looking for any extra content. You want to keep up with us, know what we're doing, and all the extra episodes and behind the scenes content. Y'all definitely sign up for the Patreon as well. Yep. Yes, sir. And on- Most of us have clothes that we've loved for years, maybe even decades. But it's harder than ever to find clothes that will stand the test of time. If you're looking for more pieces designed to last, you can't go wrong with American Giant. From hoodies and t-shirts to denim and more, they've got everything you need to build a wardrobe that you'll be proud of for years to come. All American Giant clothing is created with a commitment to doing things better. From the materials they use down to the last stitch in every piece. And everything is made right here in America, in partnership with people and communities. Because keeping things local ensures the kind of quality you'll appreciate as soon as you receive your order. Discover the American Giant difference today. Shop wardrobe essentials that last a lifetime at American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code LT23 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com. Promo code LT23. Science proves quality sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. The Sleep Number 360 Smart Bed senses your movements and automatically adjusts to help keep you both effortlessly comfortable. And it's temperature balancing, so you stay cool. So you're at your best for yourself and those you care about most. Life-changing sleep, only from Sleep Number. It's our ultimate Sleep Number event. Save 50% on the Sleep Number 360 Limited Edition Smart Bed, plus special financing ends Monday. To learn more, go to sleepnumber.com. Special financing subject to credit approval. Minimum monthly payments required. See store for details. When something happens to your kitchen, you might say, This is ludicrous. But that won't fix your home. That will only get you the rapper, Ludicrous. Having trouble? Don't panic. Don't be alarmed. You need to file a claim? Holla at State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. 
That's right. You can file a claim on the app or call us. Thanks, Mr. Chris. No matter how ludicrous the situation, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois.